And we're back. <laughs> that was to make Clay laugh. Um, thank you. Uh, so, hey, y'all, this is Alex, uh, podcast producer for BuildWit. Our fearless leader, Aaron Witt, asked me to take over um, doing these interviews for our internal podcast. So I'm really looking forward to that. I'll be interviewing every member of our team, alternating um, between our most tenured team members as well as brand new people. Just get some good perspectives. Um, I think we'll let people work for Build It for at least two weeks before I bring them on, just to let them feel a little comfortable. But um, looking forward to it, guys. Um, so who I have today is one of our senior brand strategists, Clay Thompson, who previous to BuildWit happened to be my friend. <laughs> hey, Clay. You make it sound like I'm not your friend now. We used to be friends. Now we we used to together. be friends, and now we work together. Yeah. Now we're cohorts. How you doing, Clay? I'm doing great, man. Uh, yeah. Just, I feel like coming off of some MSHA training last week and diving back into things, and um, it is uh, the wonderful chaos that is BuildWit. It, it is wonderful. I feel you on the chaos at times, um, at times. but I, but we, I think we also hire people who um, can both thrive and um, handle that sort of. Uh, I think chaos is probably a little strong, but um, yeah. things are changing all over the place, and where everybody is trying to adjust um, just to you know do the best work we can for our partners, and so I'm glad that you're picking up on that. Yeah. And I guess I should probably define, you know, I think for me, some of the chaos is like half the reason I joined. Like I, you know, I could have gone and gotten a job somewhere. It was like, you do this exact thing between nine and five and yeah. then you stop and then you do it again tomorrow. And so I think for me, the chaos is, this is one of the first times I've been involved in a, in a company that is a little chaotic, that is like beautifully chaotic. Like it's yeah. growing and moving places and it's not just like, hey, keep the ship afloat. It's like oh, no, the ship's floating fine, but, like, let's, you know, let's get some sails. Let's build some masts or, like, you know, yeah. I could go really far with that sailing analogy. Yeah, we need more more nautical references on this podcast. <laughs> um, so I think that's probably a, a good place to start um, kind of talking about non-buildwit um, things. So, Clay, uh, kind of, what's your story, man? How'd you get here? Oh, boy. Um, well... Born and raised in Indianapolis, uh, or I guess outside of Indianapolis in kind of a farm town. Grew up, uh, my dad ran a manufacturing company that made industrial packaging for the automotive industry. So I grew up running big like turret presses and forklifts and welders and stuff like that. It was pretty fun. Um, so definitely different than the dirt world, but it's still kind of the same salt of the earth, get things done kind of people. And yeah. I definitely have an appreciation for that pace of life. Um, moved to Tennessee for college and then traveled around a bit after that, did some like nonprofit work in Kenya, which was cool. That was fun. Um, and then, uh, ended up in Nashville after a while. So I, uh, got into, I guess like marketing and storytelling via videography. So YouTube was kind of well, definitely not where it is now, but it was like there were creators popping up on there. People were making stuff, and it was just like, you know, I remember Canon had just come out with a 7D, which was for those camera people who don't know camera stuff, was like the 7D and the 5D Mark II were kind of the first, like, production quality cameras that, like, an aver average person could buy. Um, yeah. And so you could make, like, 
professional looking stuff on your own. And so I like maxed out my credit card in college and bought a Canon 7D and like, um, I'm going to need that. Yeah. It's still in my basement somewhere, but that was like, Oh, I'm going to make, I'm just going to make videos. I'm going to, you know, so I graduated college with a digital media degree from a, a small Christian college, which actually when I started, my degree was called telecommunications. And then my senior year, they changed it over to, they gave us the option to, have a telecommunications degree or change it to digital media if we would like. And I was like, sign me up because everyone thinks I work with telephones. Um, yeah. But uh, moved to Nashville. I think I probably thought I would do like music videos or start a YouTube channel or whatever. Um, and then, uh, yeah, started after a while. I was just freelancing and doing a bunch of commercials and things like that. Started working at a market, marketing agency that uh, no longer exists. Alex and I both work there together. Yep, That's we did. That's a whole podcast in itself. Um, but uh, kind of fell in love with storytelling there. That was, for me, I was realizing, like, I would work with other camera people, and they'd always be like, man, check out this lens, check out this camera, blah, blah, blah. And I was always like, cool, check out this script I wrote. Or, yeah. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I kind of carried that on to my own thing after that marketing agency season of life was over and um so for the last couple of years i have been doing story consulting and marketing communications consulting for companies and corporations all over the country um from you know helping solar tech startups get investment money to helping uh business coaches and influencers with how they talk about their work and business and um anyway so i'd been running my own thing that was going reasonably well but i was getting pretty tired of wearing all the hats and working for myself and i wasn't working for myself um and i wasn't honestly like crazy passionate about like the line of work i was in and i was anyway alex you were somebody who had always been like pretty honest with me about work environments because i think you were the first person at the old marketing agency like that was the first real company i'd worked at yeah, and I remember being like, so there was some just weird stuff going on where it was like, oh my my paycheck's a couple weeks late, or like, you know, what or like you know, there's 20 of us in this Airbnb for five people, and it's like I was kind of like, yeah, it's just part of it, and I think you came on and we're like, this is not okay, this is not yeah. how this should work, <laughs> and I remember at the time feeling like, man, Alex, just like get with the program, dude. We're trying to build something. And like, looking back, I was like, you were entirely right. Like, I, just, <laughs> I just put up with so much crap because I was like getting to travel cool places, I guess. But, um, but yeah, so I think, oh yeah, that was the thing. So like when yeah. you started on a build with like a year ago, I was kind of trying to figure out some more of what I was doing. And, um, you just for the last year have been constantly like, dude, this is pretty cool. This is pretty awesome over here. And I was like, Alex would not lie to me about that. Like, you'd be the first person to say, like, no, nah, it's okay. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I feel like it just, somewhere around this winter, I kind of started keeping my eyes open for just interesting opportunities with companies because I was just kind of tired of working on my own. And um, this brand manager position opened up. It was, like, the weirdest application. It was all over the place. And I messaged you about it, and you uh, put me in touch with people. And then I think it was, like, a week and a half later, it was, like, great you're on you're in let's do this and i was like oh okay so cool um so that was what three weeks ago four weeks ago something like that i i feel like it moved pretty quick between like yeah. you messaging me saying hey i think i'm gonna apply for this and you like getting a thumbs up yeah i remember getting on I, so i had like a call with matt biddle and then i jumped on a call with Lori like a day or two later and her words were to she i remember her saying to me um 
just like strap in because this is about to move fast. And I was like, oh, okay, so probably like a couple weeks. And it was like the next three days, I think it was like meeting after meeting after meeting. And I was like, this is great. This yeah. is if this is the kind of pace they're moving at, like I'm in. Well, and do you feel like now that you've started in on the work um, and, you know, past that like interview phase, do you feel like that gave you a good kind of intro into what BuildWit's like? Um, I mean, it's a good question. The interesting thing is it's like I feel like what BuildWit is like from a company standpoint changes on like a weekly basis. Because even yeah. I started the same day as um, – uh, oh, I'm going to butcher his last name. Jake, Jake Schmidtline. Schmidtline. I was going to yeah. say Schwartline. Schmidtline. Schmidtline. Um, and him and I like jumped on a call, I think, my second day. And we were both just kind of catching up. And he was like, man, this onboarding process is, is crazy. And then like the next thing I know, two days later, it's like, Jake is now our VP of people. And he's going to be building out an onboarding program. I was like, oh, got look, it. Cool. So like when you bring attention to things, like you get, you know, you are then Put responsible for them. Yeah, yeah. Which I'm all on board for. And so um, I think that has been... Um, for me, the thing that has been the most fun is, you know, listening through uh, some of the internal podcasts and listening to Aaron or different people talk about, like, here are our company values and our culture. Like, we've all, you know, whoever it is on the team has been a part of some company. Some At some point was like, we take our values seriously. And then they don't because it's like, well, like, you know, we can make a quick buck over here. We don't really want to put up with this thing or whatever. It's just like sweep it under the rug. Um, and I feel like, I just, you know, seems like we took things like we've been very intentional at BuildWit to like talk and talk and talk about our values. So I kind of just from the get go is like, I'm just going to put these to the test. So cool. I got asked to do this thing like this video and I have no idea what I'm doing and nobody's really communicated some things, but like I know enough to just make a decision and get something done and then we can solve it later. And, it, you know, at another company, I think I probably would have been like, eh, all right, let's, you know. Someone else will probably handle it. Like, let's figure this out. I don't want to screw something up. And um, and I think, yeah, three or four weeks in, like, there's been a lot of moments like that where I've just made a decision on something. And I think if, A, if I miss something, people are pretty quick and pretty gracious to say, like, hey, this is a little confusing. Can you touch base on this? But for the most part, I think people are like, cool, do it. Like, get it. It's getting done. And so um, that for me has been to have values that I feel like we really – standby for me feels like at any point I'm able to have the tools to like make an intelligent decision on how to move forward in something. Um, and, um, that feels like an obvious thing, but I'm not sure I've ever actually really experienced that at a company before, because I think yeah. the values are usually just something it's like, you know, Hey, uh, be friendly, be kind. And, um, yeah, I don't know that anyone could really quote them to you at most companies. So, I like that you brought up the values. Um, I think like the idea of company values are really interesting to me. Um, at the company I was at before BuildWit um, was just a, like a small business marketing agency. I think there was maybe eight or nine people. I'd been there for about a year um, before BuildWit kind of came on the scene. You don't um, want to name names? You don't want to trash them good on the internal I podcast? Mean, yeah. Who were they? How'd they do you wrong? <laughs> I want names, Alex. <laughs> uh, even though even though it's an internal podcast, I still want to be cool. Um, but I had like a pretty significant issue with the way that we were trying to um, come up. I put those in quotes. Come up with our company values. Um, the company had been around for a couple years. Um, 
a, a a woman who was like a designer slash kind of a web developer started it as like sort of her freelance business and grew it from that. Um, but there was like no defined company values, and we were we had like multiple meetings to decide what our company values should be. I just I really struggled with it because I I I still be, I believe still believe this that you don't get to decide what your values are you identify what your values are like you already have them um and so when we were like in these literally multiple meetings to decide what the values were but we're in these meetings talking about um you know oh we should it one of our values should be I don't I truly can't even think of them because I'm like this is absurd. Like I know for a fact that you the person who runs this company does not value that, so why would that be the company value? Well, that was the company you and I worked at together wasn't one of our values no bullshit no assholes, which to me I was hilarious yeah. because it was all bullshit and all, <laughs> all assholes. assholes. <laughs> and it was also yeah. not it was not like I feel like there's so many companies that make like values like that and I'm like that actually doesn't give me any actionables. Like I don't, I don't have any sort of qualifier for like what constitutes bullshit, what constitutes an asshole. Like I, I have no idea. Um, and um, so yeah, I'm, I'm tracking with you on that one. So, but so all that's to say, um, with the the buildwit kind of values, the way Aaron talks about it, um, like made them make, make sense to me for the first time. Just like the idea of company values, other yeah. than like a good thing you tell your clients or whatever. Is that he's like all of the decisions we make are run through the filter of our values, and if if we're you know one of our values is make decisions, but if we're making decisions through that lens, um, the team's got your back. If you're trying to make decisions that are are for the benefit of our partner and or the benefit of Buildwit, I mean that's a good thing, um, and so. Um, yeah, as far as like like you were saying, you're kind of like jumping in and just trying to make decisions to make things happen. I mean, that seems to be the the build it way. Hmm. And I, I think even for me, and granted, like I come from a storytelling back storytelling background. Which, yeah. But I think like every value that Aaron listed on the podcast was like, and here are several ways we live that out. And and they weren't just like, and we were really kind to this guy. It was like, no, we paid this company back a ton of money and redid their website because we yeah. didn't, we didn't meet the standard and. That kind of stuff for me, it's like, if you're going to have values, it's important to have stories to back it up. Um, and I feel like that's, you know, we even since I've been here, I can list several different times where we've, um, where it's like, oh, there's one more story about how we backed this thing up. Because it's, you know, I've seen those things lived out day in and day out by people. And, and we, you know, we miss the mark at times, but I think that's, it's not, you know, it's not about being perfect. It's just about having some sort of ruler to gauge yourself against. That's a good way to describe it. I like that, like the, a ruler to line up against and kind of see: am I am I meeting what I want to meet, and if not, why or you know what I what can I do? Yeah. Um. So you're a senior brand strategist. What does that mean? Yeah, that's a that's a great question, um, and one I'm still finding answers to. Sure. Um, but um, so basically, on the um, I guess there's you know we've got buildwit proper which is kind of all the different umbrella things but as far as build what media group goes we manage all the partners and there's probably i think at this point um like probably around 14 or 15 like solid partners and we've got a handful of people working with outside of that that we're like starting to onboard different stuff but um 
for those 14 or 15 clients right now, as it was standing before I came along, it was basically Lori who runs build with media handling and managing all that alongside of some other really talented people like Kate. And, um, and it was just like, how do we keep this afloat? And so, um, I got hired on alongside, um, Allie, who I'm sure you'll interview at some point. Yeah. And basically the client, their partners were divvied off. So I ended up with, I believe seven. Um, and I think she ended up with probably six, seven, eight. I'm not sure how many, but, um, and so basically my job is to, um, eventually will be to, um, basically be the main point of contact for all those clients. So I meet with them, uh, every two weeks and we talk through, Hey, here's what's gotten done. Here's what's in process here, due dates on different things. Um, but mostly I basically will come alongside and say, you know, let's cast some vision. Where are you trying to go? What are you trying to accomplish? What, what roadblocks are you hitting and how can we use marketing strategy, storytelling and all the tools we have in the build with tool belt and toolbox to accomplish what you're wanting to see change. Um, and so I think that's been a lot of the couple weeks for me is, is not even coming up to speed with our partners and different things, but really, you know, I, I'm not sure I've ever been involved in a company that has like such a wide array of abilities. And it was an interesting trust fall when I first came in. Cause I'm, I'm used to wearing all the hats. You know, yeah. if I pitch a video to a client, like I'm involved in every part of that I'm animating it. I'm, you know, recording whatever I taught myself how to do like voiceovers a couple years ago. Cause I just, I like making sure things get done well. And I think coming on at BuildWit, and a lot of what I'm doing is coming up with ideas for things and then delegating it out. Um, that first made me a little nervous because I'm just like, gosh, I, you know, I'm used to editing my own videos. I don't know about this James guy. Well, turns out James is like 10 times the editor that I am. So, like, <laughs> it's been a fun couple of weeks of just being like, oh, I, I should be delegating that out. Like, I'm not as good at that as James. Or even just, like, looking at some of the footage the content guys get is unbelievable. Um, and so I'm getting to like figure out, you know, what lane am I specifically really good in? And for the rest of it, how do I best understand the tools and the tool belt, not to make me look good, but to make the client or make our partners look good. Cause yeah. you know, we're hiring on all this stuff. Even just like we had just hired on, I haven't really met him, but Skylar is going to be the VP of digital, I think. And, um, we were meeting with a client today who's talking through something and it would have been, you know, a week ago, I kind of would have been like, we can talk about that. And now it's like, no, we got a guy for that. We will set you up and we'll talk through what that strategy will look like. Yeah. Um, but it's been an interesting experience of mine. Cause I feel, I think I feel a bit like a fraud because I'm just like, I, um, you know, it's almost like I, we, we just turned in this video last week that I scripted out and, and it was, I was the one that delegated things to get it done but all in all, like I had like such a minuscule portion of it actually getting created. And then I give it to the client and they're like, this is amazing. Like, thank you so much. <laughs> this is awesome. And, um, and for me, it was one of those things where I was like, I didn't have anything to do with this. Like I, but I kind of had to step back and I was, you know, like, no, I did, but I'm also part of like the bigger picture of like a lot of people, their hands on this. Um, and it's just, it feels a weird thing to take like even like partial credit for getting things done. But I think, um, that's what build what I feel like has built this really cool culture of just like, you know, high tide rises all, raises all ships. Yeah. Um, and so it's it's a weird transition because um, it's just not the way I'm used to getting things done, but it's definitely better and more efficient than what I've been doing. So it's fun. You know, I, I think one thing that always like has stood out to me about you, Clay, is that um, you're like a great idea man. And so I've always been a little jealous of that personally. Um, but 
Do you want to give me some examples of great ideas that I've had, Alex? I can't think of any. I can't think of any. (laughs) (laughs) But that's on me. That's not on you. Our um, ideas are always someday you and I need to post that video we made that one time for the that clothing line. Oh man. Oh yeah. That was brutal. Yeah. All um, of our ideas are I feel like all of our best ideas are not useful. Or like, like to make each yeah, other laugh. It's like we should put rockets on a horse and yeah. you know, I don't <laughs> horse boat. Um, um but all that's to say, I, I feel like um, you know, you're saying you, you wear all these hats. Um, and I think there's like something great about build it to where you can kind of wear just as many hats as you want to. And we're, we're starting to set staff up and set up the team to where, um, everybody has the ability to really bring value in a way that makes sense for them and can move stuff that they're like, maybe not as good at to people who are way better at it. Um, yeah. That's that's I mean that's certainly what happened um, with me you know when we brought on uh, Shay our developer full time it was like yeah she is way faster at this like she just has more experience um, building websites this mm-hmm. way that we need to um, but what I bring to the table is I can kind of do a, a little bit of a lot of things and so um, the podcast thing made a ton of sense because it, it lines up um, a lot of things that like probably nobody else can do all of them at the same time but that makes sense for me you know yeah um and so like i love that you were saying you were working on a video i didn't know that kind of what you were working on it but it's great that you can be like i'm coming up with this idea and there are people who are like amazing at these other parts that execute that vision i mean i think that puts you in a perfect place yeah and i think it's been fun like i um so i have a, a long history with woodworking that's a lot of what i do in my spare time i have a whole wood shop that um, I feel like that's part of the reason you and I even became friends because we just like building stuff and hanging yeah, out. Wouldn't it be fun? But, yeah. Um, but I've noticed over time, you know, when I first started getting into woodworking stuff, I would have, you know, you buy whatever you can to get the most things done. And so it'd be like, oh, you know, this one screwdriver is actually five screwdrivers. Yeah. Or, you know, this saw has all these interchangeable parts. So you could use it for all these different things. Anymore when I buy stuff, like I don't, like if something has multiple functions, I don't really want it. Because I'm just like, you know, if I'm going to buy a chisel for a certain project, like, I don't want it to have five functions. I want it to do one thing, and I want it to do it really well. Um, and I think that's, you know, and I can say that as somebody who's been woodworking for a long time and um, and is, you know, building more and more specific stuff and is needing more and more specific tools. Um, and I think it's interesting because I'm seeing, I see that correlate into companies where it's like, oh, it's actually not that helpful for me to be a multi-tool. It's actually more helpful for me to be like really specific and really sharp at the one thing I'm asked to do and expect everyone else to do the same thing. And I think that's a, um, you know, I think even the first time I hung out with Aaron, we had a whole conversation about like the loss of craft because I I always feel like, man, I would have loved to just been an, an apprentice to like a blacksmith or something. Like I would have just loved yeah. to have one thing that I just learned a ton about over a lifetime and slowly become you know, an expert or a master at, and it's just not really the world we live in anymore. But, um, I think it's, we're finding small ways to do that even inside of our company. Um, I love that you, you talk about like that craft. Um, yeah, I think that's something that's, um, I'm definitely learning from, uh, seeing the work that our partners do, um, Hmm. and seeing these kind of like personal stories from, um, people on their teams. Um, you know, it's like, there's, there's this, um, 
I guess, stereotype for like a blue collar worker that, you know, they're like in the dirt, real tough. Um, and yet, like, this work is a craft that a craft requires artistry. Um, you know, it might not be uh, aesthetically beautiful in a way that, you know, makes it into a magazine or something like that. But, um, you know, just like the way that somebody's out there like grading a neighborhood, you know, like it just, it was a big farm and they had to turn it into something that can be a neighborhood like that. That takes technical skill and that takes um, artistry in a way that like not everybody like has. And so I I love that, that Hmm. there's a lot of those things that are really similar between like the work that you and I are doing, which like, you know, when I go onto a job site, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I build the websites. Or now it's like, yeah, I make the podcasts that might be hard to like relate to. But (laughs) when I think about it, it's like, there's a ton of things that are similar, Um, you know? And so I think that's, it's cool to kind of be a part of that. Well, I was out on a job site the other day out and we were out visiting um, Rosso, which is one of our partners here. They're just outside of Nashville and uh, Murfreesboro, uh, right? The, yeah, Murfreesboro. So we were out in Smyrna at a, at a location they have going there. And um, and I was fascinated because I was just talking to, um, uh, I think I was talking to Aaron, I was talking to Jake, and they both have long histories with mechanical equipment and watching people do this stuff or running machines. And, and I was kind of asking, like, you know, what makes a, could you just, walk out into a site and watch and say like, all right, that guy really knows what he's doing or not. And they started walking me through all this, you know, okay, so see this guy digging this trench over here. If he's really good at what he does, he's able to, you know, he's able to feel things coming back through, you know, the shaft of the bucket to say like, something's wrong with the dirt over here. And I was just like, gosh, that's so cool. And, and it was funny. Cause even, um, I was laughing cause, uh, I was eyeing one of the exca- these big excavator uh, machines, and you know, look at me using terminology that I don't know what I'm talking about. But sound good to me, Clay. It was a big yellow thing that was moving dirt. I'll figure out the names for stuff. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I was eyeing it, and Aaron was just like, "You want to you want to drive it?" I was like, "Is that even allowed?" And you know, I got in it, and I'm. I'm pretty good at picking up things like that. But even after like 10 or 15 minutes, you know, I'm like jerking this machine around all over the place and like kind of scooping some dirt and dumping it places. And to watch this guy get back in it, who I think was kind of one of their better operators and just to watch him, you know, load trucks, you know, over time and time again was just, it was so impressive to watch. And it was kind of, it's a humbling thing because, you know, to be, to just be transparent, like I probably make more than this guy does. Um, and, uh, it's easy to kind of, I feel like we've kind of been brought up in the society where it's like, oh, that's, you know, I do more interesting work because I'm, you know, in coffee shops or things like that. And I, it just was such a fun, humbling experience to be out on a site and feel like I'm completely out of my element. And all these guys are just like really good at what they do. Yeah. And there's just like, I just feel like a kid and like the most fun where I'm like, oh, I'm just like scooping dirt in this truck and this is so cool. And, um, and I think that's one of the fun things about build is it's not just, how do we make these companies more money? But it's like, how do we change this industry? How do we make all this better? Because, um, you know, I it's it almost kind of makes me sad at how much I'm realizing, you know, like how good the jobs are and like how much opportunity exists in the dirt world. That like, to be honest, like, I was just kind of raised in a world that said, you know, get a you know get a college degree so you don't have to go do that. And yeah. um, it's just you know. 
I have way too many friends that have, you know, master's degrees and are scraping by just at like doing odd jobs here all over the place, trying to market or do things or build courses for programs. And, um, and then you got into these job sites and I'm like, shoot, should have gotten to the dirt world. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, well, the only thing I'll push back is that, um, that guy definitely might make more money than you. I mean, there's, oh, that's sure. like the biggest thing I've learned is like, oh, there's real money to make in this industry. Yeah. And, like, certainly as a high school, I never would have known that at all. Yeah. Um, and even and that's even, like, I mean, I'm, I'm glad you said that because that's, like, even still my own bias showing through of, like, well, like, I probably – and it's, like, I have no idea. And even with some of the clients I'm working with, just to, to see the money people are throwing around on some of these projects is, is crazy. Um, and not even in, like, a – like, it's the most humble, salt-of-the-earth group of people I've ever worked with, and it's so fun. Yeah, it's it's been great to to meet um, the people that certainly I have, um, and I look forward to meeting more of our, our partners' teams and um, just kind of getting to know them and finding ways that we can serve them. Yeah, um, Clay, I got a couple things, a couple more things for you, and then I, I can let you go. Um, yeah. Outside of work, what brings you joy? I mean, I think that the two biggest passions in my life um, are probably. Well, actually, it's probably like three things, but um, family is huge to me. And when I say family, I don't even necessarily mean like my immediate family. I'm really close to, to my immediate family. But I think I, I have this big passion for like, what does it look like to do community as family? Yeah. Um, and COVID has been kind of a fun time for that, to just actually have to slow down and really spend time with people and get to know people and, um, you know, be more involved with my neighbors. And um, that's just, I, I feel like, so much of the problems I see in the world or the frustration going on, like a lot of it just stems back to like, how do we do community and how would we do family well? Yeah. Like around a table. Um, so that's a big thing for me. Um, a lot of that ties back to just um, my faith and my life and all of that. And um, and I think the, the other thing I would mention is just anything that involves making stuff. You know, I love being outside. I love being in the woods. I like being hands-on. Um, I have a big wood shop in my basement and I'm always... I'm right now uh, in the process of building. My fiance's angry at me um, because I'm like, I've got a, um, I'm getting married in start of May, so a couple weeks now. Um, and I keep being like, oh, don't buy a table. I'll build us our table. And then so I've got, she's like, how much of this can you actually get done? Um, but I just, I like, there's just something about making something that, like a physical thing that still just like freaks me out. That like I, you know, I'll finish rehandling an old axe or something like that and i'm just like oh my gosh this it's not even that i'm like oh i'm so talented it's just the idea that like this thing that didn't exist now exists and like somehow because i knew how to do something my hands were able to make something it's just i geek out on that yeah i love it um there's i'll say i'll say i can say this uh story on an internal podcast maybe not an external podcast um so there's this musical about the painter George Surratt, who did um, the Sunday on the Island of Le Grand Jatte, which is, um, I think, in the Cincinnati, nope, nope, uh, Chicago like Museum of Art. It's like one of the paintings that Ferris Bueller looks at. Anyway, uh, there's, uh, in this musical, it's like talking about the painter and whatever, and there's um, a song called Finishing the Hat. And like the, the way the song ends is, he says, like, look, th- I made a hat where there never was a hat. And I've always mm. been so struck by that, like, as a as a creative. Because it's like, that's the driver, is I'm making something that didn't exist. And because of the 
the um, chaos that I have ordered, it's now a thing. Um, and so I love that you you hit right on that because like that's that's a huge driver for me in the work that I do. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Well, and it's I think it's a funny thing because it's it's it seems like it should be an arrogant feeling. Like yeah, I did that, and I feel like it's the most humbling thing because I feel like. I don't, it's always artists who are like, I didn't, you know, you listen to Paul McCartney or someone talk about like, I woke up and I had a dream and that song came to me. And I thought, you know, I thought for a week it was a song I'd heard somewhere and I realized, oh, it was just a dream I had. And so that, you know, we wrote it. And I feel like there's just stuff like that when you make things or you do stuff that just kind of feels, um, I don't know, I don't want to get like too woo about it, but it's just, it just feels like I'm alive. Yeah. So I'm with you, man. Um, watching any good TV or, oh man. Um, I watch a lot of like, uh, woodworking videos on YouTube. Uh, I just recently rewatched a, um, there's a documentary that came out a long time ago about a guy named Dick Prenicky who, um, moved into the Alaskan wilderness by himself for like 40 years. And he like documented it. Like he made these videos and took footage of him, you know, he went out there with basically a canoe and axe and some different stuff and just, like, built a cabin, lived off the land, and he'd have supplies flown out to him every once in a while. But it's just called, this documentary is called Alone in the Wilderness. And it's, I watch it probably every couple of years to just kind of mm-hmm. recenter myself and be like, oh, yeah, life is a lot more simple than I think it sometimes, should, like, is. Um, so I've just recently rewatched that, and that's kind of the thing I'm geeking out on. And, sure. Um, so, yeah. If you've never seen Alone in the Wilderness, go watch it. It'll blow your mind. Alone in the Wilderness. I'm interested. Um, is there anything? Oh, actually, I have one more. If there was one thing that Buildwick could be doing that we're not doing, um, what would it be? And it, maybe they're not as exclusive as that, but like, what's a thing you know that you feel like Buildwick could fill in a gap somewhere or could be doing um, that we're not doing yet? No pressure, um, but t- totally just like a you know, what do you think about? I think so. One of the things I'm, I've been getting really excited about is uh, one of the partners I work with is called Sergeant, and they're building this thing called the Sergeant Construction Academy. And basically, yeah. it's training up like high schoolers or college students on not just how to do some of the work for the dirt world stuff, but it, like they're talking to them about like 401k programs and um, like financial planning, all this stuff. And I think uh, I've done a, a reasonable amount of like uh, just kind of like work and hanging out in underprivileged communities here in Nashville. And I feel like it's so easy to feel like, um, like it's something that's just been opened my eyes lately. Cause I'm just like, Oh, I, I think I would probably always be pushing kids in places like that to be like, you know, go to school, get a degree, study to do whatever you want. And I think building some kind of cool build wit program that is like providing opportunities for, people looking for, you know, for not just for work, but like a career to understand the dirt world, understand the opportunities and, um, to get involved in, and to, um, like I, I've been involved with a lot of like nonprofit stuff. And a lot of it honestly doesn't always feel that helpful to me, but I think finding really specific ways, we're not just dumping money into things, but actually building programs or doing stuff that are helping out communities in need. Um, like I, I don't have a, a super clear thought on that, but I think it's something I've been thinking through in my head lately sure. of, um, you know, building out some sort of internship program or something. I have, I have no idea. Um, I'll definitely send uh, that speech to uh, Benjamin Holmgren. 
Holmgren. Oh, gosh. Because um, that's... Ben and I need to connect because him and I were making way too many jokes on the, on the Slack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, y'all um, need to have your own call for a minute and, and oh, yeah. burn through some of those jokes. Um, well, Clay, dude, I appreciate you making the time, my guy. I got to pause you real quick because I know, I know you. I know Alex Horton. And those were good questions, but I also know somewhere in there is like an Alex Horton question that is just like <laughs> weird and out there. And I want. Oh man, I don't, I don't know. I feel like I might get my like three, <laughs> two, one, two, one, go. Um, and I'm trying to come up with like stuff that I can oh, ask those are, everybody. Those are you know great what I mean? questions, but I also just like I like weird stuff. Um, what's the? Do you ever listen to Pete Holmes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's got a question where he's like, "What's the what's the time you can remember in recent memory where you laughed the hardest?" And I'm like, "Gosh, that's just such a good question." Oh, that is a um, good one. But I think stuff like that where it does you don't have to come up with it on the spot. But I like. Okay. I think something I've so enjoyed in watching you, even this company since I've been a part of it, is like, I feel like, at, when I worked with you in the past company, I feel like sometimes some of your like really special blend of creativity or humor or whatever was almost treated like it got in the way because it was like, just just get the website done, dude. Um, <laughs> and I feel like it's been so fun to watch you in an environment where it's like that's being celebrated. And it was it was so cool to watch. You know, you won like employee of the month last month. And I was like, yeah. Like Alex is getting to do the stuff. That's that, my like, boy. Because some of it's just intangibles. Like I just like, you just ask good questions and are funny and thoughtful and caring in a way that like isn't teachable. Um, so... I want well, to know who's 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 doing your interview for your podcast because I would happily throw my hat in the ring. Well, to, maybe you will. Um, Alex Horton. You know, I once it, Aaron kind of floated it. It's like, hey, would that is that something you'd be comfortable doing? I was like, heck yeah. But then <laughs> I'm like, just, how do I do my own? <laughs> so maybe I'll, oh I can either gosh. maybe make Aaron do it, or I'll let you do it. That might be good too. I'm I'm not saying it needs to be me. I'm just throwing my hat in the ring because okay. I'm like talking to you. I think once um, you know, because I'm going to alternate. Who uh, is on this? You know, once it gets to me, maybe I'll bring you on as a special, special guest, <laughs> special guest host. Yeah, that's gonna be the funny thing is like when this becomes a big enough thing where it's like everyone's done and it's like we, you know, so and so's episode was so good, we brought him back for another one. <laughs> <laughs> Returning guest. Oh man. Well, Clay, uh, you're the man, dude. I uh, appreciate you making the time. Build with team, y'all are the best. Looking forward to having uh, each one of you on and just having a, a good conversation, getting to know all of you. We'll we'll be back hopefully weekly. I'd like to do these weekly, so um, don't count on that quite yet. But I'm gonna say that that's what I'm shooting for, and we'll see where we land. Um, thanks, y'all. Bye. See ya. <laughs>